listening to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Let's get into today's message. So as it is snowing outside, I'd like to take you to Jerusalem. <laughs> I'd like to, and I just checked, Does it, it is... Huh? It, it, well, I'm sure it has snowed there, but currently it's 26 degrees. So imagine that as you're all wrapped up in your coats, it is 26 degrees, um, much nicer. And I'm taking you to a garden, um, a garden uh, just on the, the hills outside um, Jerusalem called Gethsemane. And like I said, we have been going through this series, Encounters with Jesus, and we've been going through the Gospels um, and looking at just instances where Jesus meets, Jesus encounters ordinary men and women, young, old, just like you and I, and we see what he's like, how he responds to them, and what they're like as well, and how these encounters play, and what they tell us about Jesus, and what actually we can learn from those encounters. And I want to take you to this, this day, um, 2,000 years ago, where Jesus is, is going, he's, he's going to this garden with some friends, and he's been there before, he's been there times before, he's, he's spoken to them, he's taught them there, he's, they probably rested from the warmth of the sun in, in the shade of, of the, the olive trees, and, and, and they've had great times, but this time, there's kind of a nervous energy in the, in the atmosphere. You see, the day before this, the, well, the, 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 this, this day, for us, this is, this is all Thursday. For them, this is the next day because their, their day starts at sunrise, sunset, sunset. And this is, the, the, this is in, 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 at night time. But for, for us, for that Thursday, they have, they have been, they've been together as normal, Jesus and his friends. And this is kind of the most important week coming up to the most important day of the, the Jewish year. It's kind of like Christmas for them. This is the, this is the Passover. And this, the whole Passover, it culminated in this meal that they had together. And the disciples on that Thursday, they asked Jesus, where are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat the Passover meal? Where, where are we going to have this meal? And it's kind of like, you know, this is probably discussions that you're either having now or have already had, you know, where are we going to have Christmas? Where are we going to go? Whose house are we going to, you know, who are we going to eat it with is one thing. You know, that's one thing you put aside. And then it's, where are we going to eat it? This, this can be very contentious. This can be very stressful for some people. Um, but these are sort of things that the disciples are asking, you know, this is the biggest kind of festival of the year. This is kind of the most important meal. Where are we going to eat it, Jesus? You know, obviously they're, they're a bunch of blokes. They've got to Thursday. It's tomorrow. And they're thinking now, where are we actually going to eat? Um, and so, so in Jesus, being Jesus, as only Jesus would do, rather than saying, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go back to Martha's place. I'm sure she's got food ready. Or is there any one that we know in um, in in the in the in the um, Jerusalem, Greater Jerusalem area that we could go and pop in on and see if they can they'd invite us in? No, no. Jesus, being Jesus, goes. Okay, right. Two of you go into town, and you're going to see a man, and that man's carrying a water bottle, a uh, water jug. And when you see him, you you're going to go up to him and say to him that the master wants to use your upper room to have the feast. And they're like, okay. So they do, they walk into town, they find this guy who's got this jug on, it, jug on his shoulders or whatever, and they, they speak to him. And, and he, he, he leads them to this place where they're going to have, have this feast. 
And so later on, as, as the day um, progresses, the sun goes down and they, they meet there to have this feast and they all come in the room. And as was, was normal, actually Ju Julian touched on this uh, last week, they, were, they would have been dirty, especially their feet would have been dirty. And the culture of that time was that you know, the, the roads weren't great, they wore sandals, they were doing muck and stuff on the roads. So to enter someone's house, you, you cleaned your feet. And if you have, have um, people who, if you know people from the Middle East, you've got Middle East friends, or you've been into people's houses, kind of this, this same kind of thing carries over today, where you don't walk into something. You know, we're very usually not, we're, we're very comfortable with people coming into our houses and leaving shoes on, and walking around the house with shoes on. You know, most of us have, you know, many of us may have like hard floors um, downstairs because it's just what we do. But actually, if you're from a Middle Eastern culture, you take your shoes off at the door. And this is kind of like a carryover from that. And, and so, so they, would, they would walk in and usually it would be the lowest of the low, remember, um, uh, would wash their feet. Remember from last week, if, even if no one washed their feet, the, as um, Julian said, uh, Simon failed his, 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 his Jesus and the people around them because Simon uh, didn't even provide a, a bowl of water for them to dip their feet into. Actually, it says, you know, Mary with her tears and with her hair washed his feet. And so, um, their someone's job was to wash these guys' feet. Usually it was the lowest of the low. And what happens? Jesus gets down on his knees and starts washing these guys' feet, showing that ultimately, kind of turning the world upside down, the sense of actually that he is the greatest person that's ever lived. He is God. But he was to do, he did the lowest of the lowest tasks, showing that the lowest, to, do, to be the greatest, you did the lowest, you served the most. And remember, then they, they eat this meal, and this is a meal that symbolized it, that symbolized and took them back, reminded them of the fact that once upon a time they were slaves in Egypt and that they, they were now free, that God had come to them and he said, you are my people and I am your God. And so they would eat bread, they'd eat, they'd drink wine in, in remembrance of this. And Jesus kind of took the bread and he took the wine and he took, he took this and he made this, this ceremony, completely turned it, uh, he re reformed it. And he, as he took the bread, as he took the wine, he said, this is my blood that was poured out for you. It's going to be poured out for you. This is my bread. This is my body, this bread, that is going to be broken for you. And he's, he's saying, he's, he's saying, he prophesies over and over and over again that he is going to die for them. He's going to die for us. And as, as we, and as, as if you know the story, you know, um, they're, they're, none of them can kind of get what he's talking about, but Judas, one of his friends, one of the guys in the closest group, he, this is kind of the, the final thing. See, he, want, he was thinking that Jesus was going to be an all-conquering saviour. He was going to be a guy who came in on, on a white horse and was going, to, was going to kill the Romans, kill everyone who disagreed with him. And, and, and Jesus kept saying, no, I'm going to die for those who hate me. I'm going to die for, for those who are my enemies. I love everyone so much that I would sacrifice myself for them. And that's kind of the last straw. And see, he leaves that place. And John, in his gospel, he, he it, it's, it's true, but it's also kind of for dramatic effect. He says, Judas went out. In John 13, he says, Judas went out, and it was night. And it's kind of like, yes, it was night, but it's kind of like, you know, when you get these kind of dramatic fight scenes in movies, and all of a sudden starts thundering and lightning and raining. It's kind of this dramatic effect and weather, as John's kind of just pointing out that, that this was this was a dark event. This was this was this was there was no light in this event. And then those that were rest, those that, that were that, that were left, 
They, they then started singing songs. They worshipped as was customary normal. And they went out and they, they started they started as Jesus would teach them some more in the, and they went to this, this garden right here in Gethsemane. And I'm going to read to you what happened in that garden. It says this. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And be, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and, his and sweat, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray that you will not fall into temptation. Let's pray. Lord God, I, I ask you, Jesus. God, I thank you so much that, that you have you have spoken to us already. Lord God, you've spoken to us through, through, through stories. God, you've sp spoken to us through, through prayers. You've spoken to us as you've reminded us of scripture. Lord God, you've spoken to us through, through songs that you've given us right here, here and now. Lord God, you've spoken to us through music. Lord, and I pray, God, that you would continue to speak to us. God, I thank you so much as we're going to look at now, Lord Jesus, that, that as you showed your, your, the, the bread and the wine being your body broken and your blood poured out for our salvation, for our souls. Oh God, I thank you that that as we see, as we see this moment in the garden, that as you were at your weakest, you you chose your you chose God's will. You chose to to not give in. You chose not to to give up. But you said, "Not my will, but your will be done." And you went to the cross, making a way so that all of us could know you. All of us could have life. All of us could have eternal life and know you forever. Amen. 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 So Jesus um, and his friends, they kind of leave the, they leave the, the this, this supper, they leave this, this, this upper room, and they start walking to the Mount of Olives, and they go into this garden, and they, they, they're, they're laughing, they're having, a, they're having a nice time. It says actually in some of the Gospels that Jesus starts teaching them, he starts, starts telling them a couple of stories, and, and, and then all of a sudden it kind of gets really serious. It goes from kind of really, really jovial and laughter to, 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 to dead serious. And Jesus, Jesus then says, you know, he then asks a few of them, well, could you just sit here and pray? Could you sit and pray? And it says that, and then it says that Jesus went about a stone's throw away, I don't know, maybe outside the room away or so. And, um, and then he starts to, he then starts to pray. She's making good progress, I tell you. <laughs> Um, Jesus starts. Jesus starts to pray, and, and what we see here is that the, we have on one side from this laughing and joking, and then all of a sudden, this dead seriousness as he drops to his knees, and, and, and under the weight of the pressure, it's not sort of like he's dropping his knees. Oh God, we're going to start praying. I'm dropping. No, no, he literally drops to his knees because he cannot stand any further. As the weight of, of, 
of the, the situation of what's about to happen kind of becomes so much that he can no longer stand. And he, and he says, you know, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me. And kind of the question we must first ask is, you know, what's the cup? What is the cup? What, what's in the cup? What, what's he so scared of as he, as he looks at this cup? Well, it's not a real cup. It's, it's a metaphorical cup. And, and what he sees as, as he looks into this cup, really kind of for the first time, we, we, are, we are let into this moment where Jesus is confronted with the full terrifying reality of God's wrath, of God's anger towards our sin. Sin that angers him, sin that hurts him, sin that separates us from him. You see, what we're told is that there's no life without God. There's no life. We, we can't have true life. We can't have, Jesus says, I promise you life and life to the full. We can't have true life without God. And actually, each one of us, deep down inside, we've all had this, this spirit kind of cry to be right with God. And we can kind of suppress that, and we can kind of push that down, and we can say, we, we, we can do things we, 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 by the way we live, we can kind of fill our lives with stuff and try and quiet that voice. But ultimately, the Bible tells us that one day, every single one of us, will be confronted with the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord, he is Saviour, that there is no one else like him. And, and hopefully in this life, but at some point, we will all fall down on our knees and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, the problem is, though, that none of us can get to the Father without Jesus. None of us can get there. You see, in this moment, Jesus is looking at the full terror of God's wrath towards our sin. But he also couples that with the love that he has for each one of us. That he, his desire is for every single one of us to know God, to be in relationship with God, because that is the best thing for any, any one of us. But the reality is that none of us can make that. Actually, the, the, the truth is, it doesn't matter how good you are, how well you live your life, how moral you are, how much you give away, or how much... How much you do that, that makes you feel like you're better than other people. It doesn't matter. It's never good enough and it never can be good enough to make a way to the Father, to make a way into God's good books. Actually, this is the, the great thing about that is that it doesn't matter how bad you are, how many times you mess up, it doesn't disqualify you because Jesus qualifies, qualifies us. See, the reality is that none of us could make a way to God. None of us could have a relationship with Jesus without him, even if we wanted to. Actually, the reality is what the Bible teaches us, is that every single one of us, rather than, rather than trying our hardest to run towards God, to be with God, to be in a relationship with God, every single one of us is running as fast as we can away from God. Uh, this Monday, Elsie Grace, um, Jen took uh, Josiah and Elsie Grace to athletics uh, at Stanley Park. And um, it's, it was for Josiah, but Elsie Grace, who's six, she was determined that she wants to go. And um, she, like I said, she's six, and it's the, it's really, the minimum age is seven. And um, she doesn't look six. So um, uh, she, she was really, really hoping that she would be able to get in and go. She looks more like four, doesn't she, to be honest. She, she's small. She's small, but she is mighty in character. Um, so she is determined. She wore her coat, but underneath her coat, she had put on a pink tracksuit and trainers. So she was determined that she was going to run. And actually, the, the, the leader of the um, 
the uh, athletics group, they let her, let her join in and they paired, and I'm, I'm, Jen, Jen went and she told me that, that she paired her up w with two other girls, you know, so there's Elsie Grace like this and there's two girls here, um, to kind of, kind of look after her as they were doing laps around the track. And um, Elsie Grace kind of looks at these two big girls. Um, at first I think she was quite excited and then she realised that these girls, as they set off doing laps around this, this 800 metre track, they were jogging. And Elsie, and I asked Elsie Grace um, afterwards, what was wrong with jogging? She was like, I didn't come to jog, I came to run. <laughs> Jogging's not fun, I'm here to run. And so these older girls who are jogging around this, this, this track, Elsie Grace is like, I'm in a run, and it just pegs them off. You know, you've got these girls running, and then there's her, and this little pink blonde thing, running as fast as she can around this, this track. And that was, that was that was the warm-up. Yeah, that was the warm-up. But, um, I mean, she told me she did like eight laps. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, quite, that's, that's quite a lot for those little legs. But yeah, she was determined to keep sprinting. But that, that's exactly what we're like, okay? If God's over there and every other direction to go away from God, we sprint. The way that we live our lives, the way that we conduct ourselves, it is proof that we, we sprint. We want anything but being with Jesus. And we sprint our hardest away from God. And our story is, for those of us who have been saved, those of us who, who know Jesus, isn't that, oh, I had a really good idea. I'm going to now turn around and follow Jesus. No, no. The story, real true, true story is that Jesus in his love and mercy said, no, I want you. I want you. I love you. I'm calling you to myself. So it does, like I said, it doesn't matter if you, if you then all of a sudden go, oh, I must messed up. I made a mistake. It doesn't matter because you're not with him because you were good enough anyway. You're only with him because he came and put, picked his, chose you, picked you up, brought you to him. And, you know, and, it, 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 and that's, that's the truth. He loves you. He loves every single one of you. And, if, and, and at one point, maybe you've had that, maybe you haven't. But at some point or another, you, will, you may hear his voice saying, I love you. I want you. And that's him reaching down as you're running away from him saying, I want you. Be mine. Come. Follow me. And you see, in, the, in that moment, in that moment, as Jesus sees the weight of our sin, the weight of, of what we've done against him, that, that all our sin, all our mess, the things that we've done, the things we've not done, the things we've said, the things that we've not said, the things that we've done wrong, the things we've done right, all this stuff, as Jesus sees all that, and he sees how that separates us from God, and he knows that there is no other way for us to have life with God other than through his sacrifice. Jesus cries out to the Father, and he says, I don't want to do it, basically. I, is that if there's any other way, because what he knows is in the next 24 hours, he's going to go to a cross. He's going to have, and he's going to be nailed to a cross. He's going to be beaten and he's going to suffocate on that piece of wood. And don't get me wrong, he's not, he's not scared of going to a cross. I'd be scared of going to a cross. I'd be scared of having nails through my hands and feet and being whipped and going to suffocate to death. But Jesus isn't scared of going to a cross. What Jesus is scared about, what Jesus is terrified about, is going to the cross and having the weight of sin placed on him so much that as the Father looks at him, he doesn't see the ugliness of, of, of a beaten, bruised human being. He sees the ugliness of your sin upon Jesus. And he cannot look upon Jesus anymore. He turns his face away from him. And in that moment, the Father and Son are separated 
Not because of anything Jesus did, but because of what we have done, because of him taking the punishment of our sin upon himself. And Jesus cries out and he says, Father, if there's any other way, I love these people, I love you, and I want you to know him. But if there's any other way, please do it. And, and I love it if you've ever seen the passion of the Christ in, in this moment, that this kind of artistic way of doing it. I, I love it. You've got, you've got Jesus there kind of sweating blood, pouring out his heart to the Father and kind of encircling him. You've got this kind of satanic kind of creature kind of going round him. And you can imagine like this, this person saying, you can't do this. You're not strong enough. They're not worth it anyway. And maybe as all these thoughts are going through Jesus' head, his ultimate cry, and as he cries out to heaven and says, if there's any other way, take this, don't let me go through this pain, don't let me go through this suffering. Yes, I love these people. Yes, I love Blackpool. But don't let me go through this suffering. If there's any other way, please do it. Heaven's silent. There's nothing. He hears nothing in response. And so he stands up from that place and he does the most heroic thing anyone has ever done. And he speaks back to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. And in that very moment, he's not gone to the cross yet, but in that very moment, the war is won. The war over death, the war over, over sin and sickness it is won. The war over Satan is won. And as um, Paul writes in Philippians, he says, Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place and given him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see, from that moment, Jesus would then go to the cross and on the cross, he would take the punishment of our sins upon himself and he would cry out, it is finished. Meaning if, you, meaning if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved, you are his, you belong to him. You don't need to fear about death. You don't need to fear about what's to come next in, in life because you belong to him and you will always be him. There is no other life like there is with Jesus. He has won the ultimate victory. Yeah, we might lose some skirmishes. We might, we might fail, we might mess up, we might... We might struggle to have somewhere to meet in a building that's warm, but you know, oh, the ultimate victory is won. The war is won. For everyone who has confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so he stands up from there, doesn't he? He stands up from there and he goes back to his friends, his disciples. And where are they? What are they doing? Well, there it says. It says at the end of Luke 22, 45, it says, when he rose from prayer and went back to his disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. You see, we're, um, we're coming to Christmas, aren't we? It's soon to be Christmas. And 
33 years before this event, roughly, Jesus, the creator of the universe, came into the world. He stepped down from heaven. And what were the majority of the world doing at that time? What was, what was most of his people doing? They were sleeping. The creator of the universe came into the into world. God himself came down from heaven. And what were people doing? They were sleeping. There was no big trumpet cry. There was no, no, um, no, no big, big, big an, an announcement that woke up the entire world. Yes, a couple of shepherds knew. But for most people, they were just sleeping. It was just one kind of another night. And now, a few years later, at the start of the most important few hours in human history, what are his friends doing? They're sleeping. Guys, I know, you know sleep's really important. You know, it's good to get good rest. But my prayer is that as a church, that we would not be found asleep. You know, God is on the move. God is doing amazing things in our day. We, we've had a pray, we've had a prophesied, you know, as we said at the beginning of the year, we had a prophesied that, that God was on the move, that God is doing a new thing. And many, many churches um, have, have had that prophesied over them. Our movement has that prophesied over them, that, that God is on the move. He's going to do a new thing. And over the past few weeks, we've had it had it brought to us. We've got the new season has started. I was talking um, at a... And a leader's day last week to, to someone I'd never met before. I was just chatting to him. He's from Macclesfield. And he just stopped as I was talking. And he said, the winds have changed. The wind has changed direction for you. you know, something new is happening. You know, we are coming in to a new season. You know, God is on the move. And my question is, is are we ready? Or are we going to be asleep? Now, have we become tired from the sorrow, or finding, or are we finding energy in Christ? See, Jesus asks us, he asks us to watch, to pray. See, he is on the move, he is about to do great things, and he's saying, will we be ready, or will we be asleep? So guys, I want to encourage you, as we, as we finish up here, I want to encourage you to go from this place and pray. To pray, to first pray, you know, do I know God? Do I know him? Do, do I know him? Do I have experienced his saving love in my life? But pray, pray as we can say, pray for guidance. Pray that he would guide you, that you would hear him. You know, pray that, pray for boldness, pray for each other, pray for, pray for a building. You know, pray for that, that pray, for, pray for our kids, pray for our youth as they go through such, you know, being a teenager is a hard enough time. I mean, I don't think there's any other hard, uh, harder time in life, and I don't think this, there is any harder time than now to be a teenager. It's so confusing. Pray for our youth. Pray for people to come and bump in to Jesus. You see, Jesus is on the move. He is doing something in our day. And I don't want to miss it. I want to be part of it, don't you? Yes. Yeah. I don't want to be found asleep. You see, when, when we're asleep, we, we, we do things without asking why. When we're asleep, we, we, we do things out of habit, no matter whether they're good or bad, whether they're right or wrong. When we're, when we're asleep, we sometimes just do things that make no sense whatsoever. Yesterday, I was, um, Jen, I dropped Jen off at Morrison's, and um, other supermarkets are available, by the way, but um, that's just where we were. And, and I went then to, um, to, to buy fuel for the car. And I, 
I, you, you know, you, you pay the machine, you pay the pump, don't you? So, so I get, I get my card out. I don't understand what I was doing to, so I get my, I get my card out. Okay, you have this, you know, you have this thing in front of you. Get my card out, and I put it in a hole, and it disappeared. And then I'm like, what? Normally, it only goes halfway in, doesn't it? You know, and I'm like, oh. That's where you put meant for the card. That's where the receipts come out of. <laughs> and I shoved it all the way up. I just kept going with it. And then I was like, oh no. So then I was like, okay, I've got another card in my wallet. Right, let's pay with this card. And hopefully, and I'll ask for a receipt and hope that it'll come out. Well, you know, 70 pounds later and asking for a receipt and it failed, it didn't come out. So I then had to go into the store and say, this is what I've done. The guy was brilliant, by the way. I think he lied to me and just said, oh, another one. <laughs> like anyone else has ever done that, I don't know. But, <laughs> I, do, I do feel so. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he, he then gave me a pair of pliers and I was able, with my keys, this pair of pliers, to thankfully get my cars out. But it's just like, you, you're just living in a daydream. You're just doing, you know, when you're asleep, you're doing things, you do things that just, when you look back, you just think, what was I thinking? And we can do that spiritually, you know. So Jesus asks us to be ready, to be ready. You know, kind of like, like when, you know, if you imagine, if you, if you play sports, you're kind of like ready to catch a ball. You know, you can, if someone asks you to catch a ball and you've got your hands in your pockets, you know, and you're holding a microphone. I was, I was hoping we might have the football, but I think the kids have left. Anyway, you know, you can, you, it's really hard to catch a ball, isn't it? You're not ready, I'm not ready at all to catch anything. Someone threw something, I'm not catching it. But if you're like this, you're like, you know, ready, I'm ready to catch, I've got my hands out, I'm ready. You know, you know when, when we teach kids to catch, you know, quite often you know, get them to hold their hands out and then you know, for the first few times, it's more about your accuracy of getting it in their hands. But it's teaching them about having their hands ready. And then when you're ready, you're able that when that ball comes, when that ball comes flying, you can move your hands, you move and catch that ball. You see, as he's standing, when we, as we stand, we stand ready with that correct stance. It, it, it's a readiness. It's a readiness to, to share our lives. You see, being, being awake means that we, we are ready to share what God has given us. This standing with the correct stance is a, is a willingness to open up our homes. We've been talking about opening up our homes time and time again. And I'm, I'm so, so, it's been brilliant to hear people say, you know, like, I'm not sure I like opening my homes. I'm not sure I would open up my home, but I've done it because I don't want to miss out on people being in my home. And so, so uh, being ready is being willing and o- being willing to open up your home. You're being awake is being ready to open up your home. Standing in the correct stance is, is prepared to speak. Jesus' words to others. Being awake means that we're ready to speak Jesus' words. But being ready isn't anything. You you can stand like this all day and the ball can fly over your shoulder. But catching the ball is having the courage to actually act upon that. To when someone says something, when someone asks for help, to act upon that. When someone says something and you hear the spirit inside you say, bring a word of encouragement or bring bring some correction you do that boldness to speak see guys I want us to be a church that is ready for when God is moving that knows that it is saved that knows that God is great that God is good that he loves us 
that he, in the garden, chose to chose in that moment to go to the cross because he loves us, because he loves you, because he loves me. Despite how bad or how good I think I am, he chose to go and die for me so that I could know him, which there is no greater life than to know him and have eternity with him. It doesn't start when I die, by the way. Eternity doesn't start when we die. Eternity starts as soon as you start following Jesus. And actually, from then on, I want to be ready, and I want us to be a people who are ready to follow him so that we get to see great things happen in our day. So that we get to see great things. I want to, I was saying in a small group this week, you know, when I, when I used to drive through Lancaster, I was an electrician, and you go, you go through, you know, I'd go past shops, or I'd go past venues, I'd go through past houses, and I'd be like, I worked on that. That's up there because of the electric, electrics I put, I installed in that place. Like, it fills me with a sense of pride. You know, I want that to fail into comparison with the sense of looking back and be able to go at the end of my life. God was on the move. And I was part of that. I was part of that. I spoke. I said things. I acted. I loved. Don't you? Yes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. And pray with me, by the way. You don't have to pray. You know, don't just hear me and go, no, some guy's praying in the front. Pray with me. So Jesus, I pray, God, I pray, Jesus, that you would fill us with your spirit right now. God, come. Come. I want to know you more. God, I want to know your spirit's touch more. God, I want to know what you're doing. God, I want to see what you're doing, Lord God, through the storms and through the sun, Lord God. I want to, I want to know what you're doing, Lord God. I want to be ready to act. Lord God, I want to be ready to act. Lord God, and I want to be, I want to have the boldness to be able to, to do what you are calling me to do. Lord Jesus, whether that's for the first time, going to step out and say, I'm going to trust you. I want to follow you. I want to be yours. Or whether that's, that's for the hundred millionth time, Lord Jesus. God, I want to do that. I want to be ready. Because God, I want to see you act. I want to be part of what you're doing until the day I die. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.com.